Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood? Shalom, everyone, and welcome back to Reservations. I'm Jeremy Blair. And I'm Rain Whalen. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so before we before we jump into everything, uh, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, Jeremy recently had a birthday. I did. Yeah, how, how was your birthday, buddy? It was all right. I spent eight hours of it uh, installing windows. What? Um, yeah. So Haley's uh, parents were in town. He had a job lined up. Uh, for a coworker of ours to get new windows in, that's what he does for a living. And uh-huh. so we helped him install windows for eight hours yesterday. <laughs> I'm a, very sore. Great, this is a great way to spend your birthday. Yeah. Your, your, your 29th birthday. It was fine. I don't usually do anything for my birthday most of the time. So yeah. uh, it, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, the, the biggest elf in the room is uh, we're not together right now. Um, unfortunately, uh, my wife tested positive for COVID. Luckily, this is her last day of quarantine, but well, as of this recording, it's oh. last day. Uh, but we still wanted to play it safe. So if you're watching, yeah, we're, we're not in the same room, but you know, I didn't even have to say that the listeners probably think we are in the same room. That's right. I mean, the listeners are probably like, you know, they, they think that we're inseparable. The listeners do, you know, I mean, we are, but you know, but they don't know that, you know, we, they think that we could be now, sitting right next to each other. Now, let me ask you this. Why didn't you say that Ashley got her tickets to the Backstreet Boys? Reunion? Oh, because um, when I was making that joke, uh, it was it was during a time which I thought that maybe our videos on YouTube wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't um, be seen. But oh. um, but then I learned. uh that every time I, when I upload our videos, I, yeah. it asks if this is appropriate for children. And I mean, we're not really talking about anything bad, but we are swearing. So I usually press, no, it's not made for children. And so it age restricts our videos. Really? So yeah. So unless someone is subscribed to the channel, they'll never know when we post a video. So after that, I was just like, yeah, all right, you know, screw it. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Maybe that's why we have so few views on these things. You know, we yeah. got to get kids in on this. So we're just saying we got to start pandering to kids now. No, I'm just saying that we <laughs> should take off the age restriction. Well, see, I thought about that. Well, see, and I, there's a section and I need to go through and redo all the videos, but there's a section that I can put that. Yes, this isn't made for kids, but there shouldn't be an age restriction. Yeah. I mean, we, it's like, you know, we, we got the. You know, we got the explicit thing on the on the podcast. I'm sure we could do the same for you, but it's like, you know, no, we're not talking. We're not talking Bluey. You know, we're not talking. Uh, I love that your mind went right to Bluey. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking Bluey. You know, we're not. Uh, we're not talking. You know, like Good Burger all the time, but dude, Good Burger. Yeah, Good Burger is amazing. That's a future episode, but. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, we're talking about films that you know a lot of times are very important, and I think that you know kids yeah. should be able to you know 
swearing be darned, I think that we should they should be able to watch these. So I should I should start um I should start uh uh recording my voice of of uh, like censoring ourselves, but rather like you know right when like no. I would say like hang on no like right when I would you or I would say like fuck or something yeah it would censor and so you'd see our mouths mouth it but then you'd hear like darn <laughs> we would have to like overdub ourselves oh dude that would take so long like they do for tv shows yeah. or, or movies being shown on television it's like watching the breakfast club on tbs yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have recently we've been re-watching community and nice. uh there's someone mentions i heard that by the way um your computer had it or was it mine oh shit that was probably mine i don't Uh, know um it was an email so uh, there's surely have you seen community yeah Uh, i mean i haven't i've never finished it but yeah i've watched it they were talking about pulp fiction and she goes oh my god i i I love that but she's a very religious very uh, wholesome person so she's like, yeah oh i've seen that movie i love it it's a I saw it in an airplane. It's a 30 minute movie about, uh, about two guys talking about burgers and, uh, you know, it, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Cause <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I don't think I made it to that one, but yeah, that one's good. But unfortunately we, we are not talking about a 30 minute video about two guys talking about burgers. No. Um, no. today we're actually, uh, we're, we're kind of ending, the season. Well, I mean, this isn't the end of the season, but this is the final pick before our end of season series, uh, with a pretty. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's a pretty heavy-handed movie, but it is a pretty heavy movie in terms of of uh, subject matter. Yeah, I would agree and with that. We are talking about uh, the devil all the time. Um, I have never seen any other movie from this director. But when I saw the cast list, I was I was sold. You know, we got. Yeah. Back when I was I was like a senior in high school and I would watch like movie trailers on YouTube constantly. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the ones that I was really interested in, I never saw. Uh, I guess there's still time uh, was after school. It's with Ezra Miller. And oh, nice. uh, it was his first movie. And he he catches a, a girl either being murdered or just dying on on camera, and he doesn't know it's like he doesn't know what to do with the footage, right? Uh, it's uh-huh. one of those, and it was by this director. Ah, oh, okay. Um, when I went back uh, the other night to look to see who the director was, uh, I was like, "Oh, after school, I've seen that trailer." You know, if you don't, <laughs> I've seen um, that trailer. I've seen that trailer. Uh, yeah, well, I haven't seen anything from him and, you know, I, uh, I really enjoyed this. I know critics were kind of iffy about it, but you know, I really, I, I really like Cause one of their critiques was, um, the tone because the movie is, I mean, we've talked about bleak movies on the podcast before. Uh, I would yeah, say, twice? I would say the road, our bleakest movie. You think um, so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I would yeah. say so. Um, okay. But this movie is is bleak um, because we're dropped into this world that is essentially surrounded by just bad people. Everyone in this world, 
apart from a few. Uh, everyone is just bad. Yeah. You know, um, and it all seems to converge around one character, uh, Arvin, played by Tom Holland, where it's almost like he is the only. I wouldn't say pure, but he's yeah, the no. only good person surrounded by all these evil people. Kind yeah, of, sort he of. seems to be, Arvin seems to be sort of someone who can, you know, think think a little outside the box uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, especially religion, for sure. He is oh, not yeah. one for religion. And so, which, of course, if you know, you know, Arvin, you get it right. You, mm-hmm. You've seen what his childhood was like with religion. You saw uh, what it's doing to his stepsister and you know um, and his grandmother. Mm-hmm. So and religion is sort of like this this very specific yet nondescript religion is um, is heavily prevalent in this film, but also it's not taken this is not a religious movie. It's a movie really sort of uh, denouncing this way of thinking Yeah, in terms of this extremist way of thinking. Yeah. I, I, I was telling Ashley, cause she watched it with me um, is that the movie really focuses on how sh- extreme acts of well, not necessarily extreme acts, but just extreme faith, what mm-hmm. that can do to a person. Um, and as I think we mentioned it last week, um, this is based on a book. Um, and, you know, the writer is not trying to say that, like, religion's bad. No. But how you said it, this way of thinking, this very extremist, faith-driven thinking. Mm-hmm that's what's bad yeah i agree um but before we get into that let's talk about what the movie's about uh yeah because i i think the title is um a little misleading you think so just a little okay so so jeremy what is this this movie? movie well the thing i love about this movie is the interconnectedness of it all right yeah um so okay let's start with willard um we we can do a really short one i guess a really fast one so um the movie starts off with uh willard coming back from the war Mm -hmm. um he has sort of a um a crisis of faith as it were when uh, he was in world war ii while Mm -hmm. uh, seeing one of the uh, marines he was with crucified um, yep. uh, overseas, uh, which was wild. Which um, um, was happening. Um, Japanese, uh, the Japanese soldiers were taking American prisoners of war and crucifying them. Which is, uh, isn't that what uh, essentially Martin Scorsese's film Silence is all about? I mean, it's not about that, but yeah, I mean, there's yeah. some, uh, there's some of that imagery in Silence. Um, future episode. I really like that one. Um, Anyway. So when he comes back from the war, he's not the most religious person anymore uh, in Mm. a very religious town. um, Yeah. Of, let me see if I can remember the name of it. 
Um, um he lives in Mead. Mead? He lives in Mead. Um, or it's uh Knock'em Stiff. Knock'em Stiff is the other one. Hang on, give me um, give me give me one that's second. Where the well, you two keep places. I think it's well, Mead, West talking. Virginia, Knock'em Stiff, Ohio, or it's the opposite. Uh, it's Knock'em Stiff, West Virginia, and Mead, Ohio. I think I think you're right, but here I will double check. Uh okay. the benefit of doing this over Zoom is I we can quickly double check. Yeah. Um so um he passes through on his way home to Coal Creek, West Virginia, he passes through Mead. Um, and then they settle when he marries Charlotte, they settle and knock him stiff. Got it. Okay. So uh, he meets Charlotte. They, he, he meet. it's sort of like a, a, a cute, you know, way of being cute. at a diner. And um, yeah. yeah, thank you. Um <laughs> But we also meet another couple at that diner. Um, we meet uh, Carl and Sandy at that mm-hmm. diner as well. Um, and coincidentally, they meet at the same time. So Carl meets Sandy the same day at the same moment, basically, uh, that Willard uh, Charlotte meets. Yeah. meets Willard, right? Uh, which is cool. I, I, I like that uh, that parallel. Um, yeah. And he, like, Willard's going to church with his mother and his uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, I had a hard time understanding that dynamic, but that's fine. Well, I mean, you, you kind of said it while we were kind of talking off mic a little bit is uh, it's, it's very um, Southern Baptist kind of thing, you know, yeah. that yeah. his, his, his mother lives with her brother. Right. You know, uh, which is not Willard's dad. It's Willard's um, uncle. Yeah. Uncle. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, um, This one's hard. This one's hard to do this fast because it's well, because I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can do it fast because there's too well, much we, interconnectedness. Well, we can at least get through the 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 prologue, the flashback, because because then you know Willard and Charlotte get married and have a kid, Arvin. And one as I mentioned, that, yeah, they, that's one of the things I like about this is that it goes fast, right? Like I don't have to watch them fall in love i don't have to watch them get married off the right it's Mm. just like the next scene they have a kid and they're getting a house right yeah and then this is when willard sort of rediscovers his faith Mm -hmm. something about the woods behind their house that they rent just he he finally finds the the urge to start praying again and to start um being more faith driven. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've heard people that, that this happens to people in real life. So it's not, it's not too outlandish that he finally rediscovers his faith. Right. And it starts to ramp up quite a bit when Charlotte gets sick. Right. She yes. Cancer. Yeah. Um, which we, we fast forward nine years because now Arvin is nine. Yeah. And- well, it's seven years because if oh yeah that's right yeah because if if he's two in 1950 right because lenora is born in 1950 they're they're two years apart so yeah so then that means arvin's two in 1950 so then 1957 he's nine so okay so that's when they find helen's body too i know it's a lot so (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> and there's a lot uh, of characters in in this in this is. movie. There is, yeah. and there it's sort of like Magnolia, right? Yeah, you, you oh, kind of yeah. have to have a chart. Shout out to our Magnolia episode. Yeah, shout out to Magnolia. God, I love that movie. So, um, Charlotte gets sick, and he really, Willard really starts to ramp up the mm-hmm. the religion and the the prayer and the what would yeah. later he would try sacrifices like the dog. Yeah, that was wild, right? Yeah, Ashley, uh, that was her least favorite part. Um, of course, you know me having already seen this movie, I I'm over it. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I was like, you know what? It still sucks, but you know what? Yeah, it's all good. She she was like, because she didn't know what he was going to do. And then when he, when, and, 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 you know, they do such a good job of knowing, like, oh, he's about to sacrifice the dog. You know, we're following him and the dog go to the barn. He's feeding the dog, you know, chicken or something. And she was just like, is he gonna kill the dog? And I was like, just keep yeah. watching. He's not just gonna kill the dog. But anyway. Yeah, he's not, yeah, not just gonna kill the dog. Yeah, no. But so okay. <laughs> and so once um there's a there's a scene that I really like in this when those those poachers were mm sort of giving him a hard time about, you know, him not being with his wife at the moment. So let's go rape the wife, I guess. Um, yeah. With you know, in earshot. Yeah. yeah. You know, that classic thing that, you know, hillbillies do. And <laughs> instead of acting right then and there, he waits until they're vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course that sticks with Arvin later on. Yep. Yeah. Um, a, a bit. That's a big uh, lesson for yeah. Arvin um, of finding your moment. And uh, and yeah, he Bill Skazgar uh, beats the piss out of those dudes. Yeah, he does. Oh man! Uh, and of course, Arvin will do the same later. Oh hell so, yeah! Um, and so once Charlotte dies, this is a this is a big deal. So when Charlotte dies, a few hours later, Willard kills himself. Right? Yes. Um, and I I don't think it was uh, I don't think it was premeditated. I think it was, it was sort of a, he saw, you know, as the narrator goes on to say that, you know, Willard had to follow wherever Charlotte went. Yeah. I think he, you know, when he's telling Arvin, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go see your grandma for a little bit. I think, I think he was being genuine. I think mm-hmm. it was, he was like, you know, it's, I don't want to be anywhere. Your mother's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Arvin sort of understandably, not wanting to be around his father anymore. That's when he was kind of like, well, then I guess, uh, I guess I'll just kill myself then. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. And crucifies the dog. Well, he'd already crucified the dog. Yeah. He'd already crucified the dog, but I love, I love the reveal, you know, uh, that we're seeing it through spoiler alert. Sebastian Stan is in the movie. Yep. Uh, We see it through his eyes. uh, And I, I love when he's asking nine-year-old Arvin, like, what the hell is this? It's a prayer log, but it don't work too good. And there's just this crucified dog, and he's just like, what the fuck? Dude, the accents were killing Haley. Oh, yeah. She would walk in. Because, really? Well, because she had only ever seen Tom Holland in Spider-Man, and she only ever 
seen Robert Pattinson in Twilight. And so she's oh watching this and she goes, what's happening? So anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. So here's, here's a favorite thing of mine that I love about this style of writing that the, the author is doing mm-hmm. um, in the narration. By the way, the author is the narrator. Yes. Um, yeah. Which I thought was. Knock- he's from Knockham Stiff. Um, um, well, I think he's from around that area. Yeah, he's, from, he's Ohio. from there. He may have grown um, up in Knockham Stiff, I think, or when I, was born there. Yeah, I told Ashley, I was like, I was like, that is a real place. And I just can't believe there is a real city in the United States called Knockham Stiff. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, it's and, a, and it's a silly name. And, and someone was, because uh, you know, that had to ha- that has to have some sort of backstory, like, oh, it'll knock them stiff or some, <laughs> some bullshit like that. That's silly. So <laughs> there's a few moments in the narration that I love. And it's when, when Carl and Sandy meet, mm-hmm. he go, he, he, in a way, spoils it for us who they are and what they're going to yeah. do. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's in a really interesting way because, you know, he doesn't say, oh, and they're they'll be murderers. It's, you know, um, they would the later call their victims models. models. And, yeah. And he would later call her the bait. Right. And, and she would call him the shooter. Right. And, you know, it, it's a fun way to do that. And then it it sets us up for later on that uh, they're especially with with Helen, too. Um, oh, yeah. You know, saying that, you know something around they they wouldn't find her body for seven years yeah because it's right? it's right when she gives lenora to grandma and you know he says this will be the last you know little did she know this would be the last time she ever saw lenora they wouldn't find her body body until seven years later right and i like that i like that we're it's almost like a an epilogue but before it you know we're not there yet and we're going to get there eventually. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause there's still, there's still so much more movie uh, yeah. by the, by the time Tom Holland comes into the, to the fold. Yeah. Um, Ashley was like, she's like, how much more movie do we have left? And I paused it. And then uh, there's still like an hour and 15 minutes. And she was like, yeah. Oh my God. I was like, I'm like, A yeah, lot we're not done yet. That time. Um, and of course, you know, there's, there's something about, the audience knowing something and the characters not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like knowing uh, what happened to Roy. Um, yeah. No one, no one besides the three of them will ever know what happened to Roy. Right. Yeah. 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 When, uh, yeah. When, when Lenora's like, you know, do you think it's weird that we both end up being orphans in the same house? And he goes, well, you may not be an orphan. Your daddy may come over that hill dancing a jig. Right. And see there, you know, it, it, there's something about us knowing that he's dead. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and this will play into our, our uh, next episode also. Um, you know, this sort of, uh, I don't know, this, this weird sense of the unknown where, you know, it, we're seeing it through the character's eyes, the, the unknown. Mm-hmm. but we know the truth, right? I, right. I kind of like that stuff. And of course, I also love this epilogue stuff that he does in his writing. Oh yeah. And, um, and, you know, and it's sort of a, you know, we've been trying to fast pace through the plot, but it's sort of his way of fast pacing through. Yes, this is important, but this isn't what we're focusing on. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to run through this really quickly. So you understand yeah. where our characters are about to be in their lives. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's so cool. I agree. Um, so with, where are we? Okay. So we're, let's, let's talk about Roy. I, um, yeah. so this is of course during Willard's time. This is Willard's time. Or shortly after he had just gotten home. Yeah. Uh, he meets Roy and his, uh, his cousin, uh, who's in the wheelchair. He had, he had drank either like antifreeze and- or something to test his faith. Uh, this is a big thing for these, uh, these like tent revival type preachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone wants in the sort of an example, watch the supernatural episode of the preacher who heals people. Mm-hmm. Um, when they think Dean's going to die and uh, it's a good episode, but that's essentially what these guys are. Yeah. Um, and they may, you know, they may think that they're, they're not doing this maliciously. They really do truly. Think right. That they are, they're conduits for the Lord and that they can, you know, uh, that testing their faith is truly important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going, going, to these extremes of testing their faith that uh that god will keep them safe yeah um, well, of god course can give them abilities to do things yeah right well especially with roy dude the spider thing oh that's i hate i still even though like they're cgi spiders i was still like oh, i hate that so much <laughs> yeah it's so wild Him dumping especially the on his face. especially the the clump that breaks yes. up after it comes down off of his face. Oh, oh, oh. hate that so much. <laughs> I know. And I like that, you know, he has some sort of forethought to, after he gets bit, not see anybody for mm-hmm. a while, you know, because it's almost like it's almost proving he's not telling the truth, right? Because, right. you know, the, yes, he might not be afraid of them anymore, and that is due to faith, but they're still dangerous. Right. And I think that he was sort of playing with, they're not going to bite. Them, right. Mm. Like those, like the snake wranglers, right. Or the, you know, the, those snake preachers. Uh, right. Yeah. Which are also real. So, um, the, the idea of him, you know, being locked up in this closet, mm-hmm. uh, waiting for the swelling to go down and waiting for a, a sign from God. Um, and that's when he eventually gets the idea to kill Helen. Um, yeah, because he thinks that now that the Lord has tested his faith by by having the spider bite him, and he waited for an answer that he will be able to revive the dead, mm-hmm. and uh, decides to test that on his wife, Helen. In the book, I got. I didn't get very far, but I, I did get this far. And um, in the book, he talks about it with his cousin and he said, well, we're, I'm going to, you know, cause his cousin was super over it. He's just like, listen, God has abandoned us. We're not preachers anymore. We're, you know, whatever, man, like this is really, God. yeah. And he said, listen, man, like I I've spoken to him and he's given me the power to revive. I'm going to test it on a cat. And he said, a cat. Like you got to do better than that, man. I'm not going to believe you. And so then that's when he decides to do it to Helen. And, um, and there's something about describing the, the screwdriver 
that uh-huh. goes into the neck is way worse than saying it, I think. Um, yeah. But that kind of comes out of nowhere because you do see his cousin sharpening. Yeah, I was just the, about to say, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad they they tweaked that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get that visual clue of the cousin sharpening it. And you're thinking yeah. like, OK, maybe he's just bored and he's just sharpening a screwdriver. Yeah, because, he, you know, he's in a wheelchair all day. What's he got going on? Yeah. You know? And then, yeah, then we just see it like right in the neck, man. Oh. And he really does believe he can resurrect her. And so I think that's where the sort of maliciousness kind of goes out the window. Cause it's not like he was just going to murder her. Right. Yeah. He, it's almost like in his eyes, he's performing some sort of, uh, some sort of kindness by testing this on Helen. Like, don't worry. Cause I'm going to revive you. Right. Um, and, but uh, obviously it does not work. No. And so they they bury her and as they're on the run, um Roy abandons his cousin. Uh because he yeah, he decides I'm gonna go home, see my daughter, and tell the police what happened. Try to explain myself, right? Yeah. And well, and I and I love his cousin. <laughs> you killed your wife with a screwdriver and thought you could revive her. You're gonna sound like a crazy person. Because he, I mean, he kind of is a crazy person. So, yeah. But um, on his way, he gets picked up by Carl and Sandy. Yeah. And see, and and this is sort of another kind of theme of this movie is these people who do these horrible acts. It's almost like the the karmic retribution that, yeah, they get their comeuppance. Yeah. And most of them do. Uh, or all of them do. I guess. Uh, pretty much all of them do, um, except for Arvin. Except for Arvin. But yeah. Arvin's different. Um, and I do like that, you know, in, in the narrator, of course, explains um, that this is the early days of them killing people and they mm-hmm. weren't super smooth at it yet. And later they would pick better looking people. Um, number one, they photograph better. Number two, uh, they're easier to coerce and uh, yeah yeah um so we should let's go ahead and just tell the audience so what carl and sandy yeah. mainly carl his um his idea was his big big brain idea was they're going to pitch up pick up hitchhikers um convince later convince them to have a picnic with them sleep with Sandy and then they're going to kill him all while photographing the entire thing. Right. Um, some really, really. And the, the narrator even says some really sick shit. Yeah. Truth be told. I do like that. The narrator has an opinion. Yeah. uh, In this, it's almost like, you know, the, uh, you know, it's like the narrator in, in it, the narrator, you know, uses, you know, refers to themselves. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know where the boat ended up, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, it's sort of, I, I like that. I like that the the narrator is, you know, it's like, he's a real sick fuck, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, yeah. So then, so going back, so then they get Roy and, you know, the only reason why 
Carl kills Roy immediately is because Roy um, sort of in not necessarily, I mean, yeah, in defiance, but I think in defiance of he's reaffirming like, you know what? I'm, I'm about to die. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out mm-hmm. more, at least how I perceived it. Uh, he didn't want to go out more of a piece of shit than he already was right. for killing, killing his wife, you know? Yeah. And so he refuses to sleep with Sandy, refuses to pretty much do anything. Yeah. And so Carl pretty much just goes ahead and kills him. Yeah. And but still uh, takes a picture. Yeah. Uh, as we will later find out uh, that he, he still kept it. Um, yeah. Because he liked to keep a record of all of them, even the failures. Right. Mm. Um, and then pretty much after that, apart from Sebastian Stan's. Uh, gross uh sheriff's deputy character yeah. eventually becoming the the sheriff of uh of mead mead i think so yes of mead um he uh we don't really see him again until we catch up with arvin and lenora when they're supposed to be um 1918 well yeah 1617 my bad because yeah. Um, 17 and then yeah, Arvin is in his senior year and then Lenore still has a couple years to go yeah and this is when uh, our boy our baby boy Tom Holland comes into the play and firstly crushes it um, yeah. my man can crush a southern accent like yeah all the accents are pretty good Um, I think I mentioned it last time the, that that uh, Robert Pattinson's accent. Yeah, that you you said that a lot of people gave him shit for it because they, like critics are like it's terrible and it's but it's actually perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. Ashley brought up a good point while we were watching it um, that anytime he plays an American, he can just shift his voice and she even she even hear uh, heard that he even changes the pitch. Yeah, so like his voice is even higher pitched in this. Yes, his voice is really high here. Yeah. yeah. He didn't tell the director he was doing that, by the way. So um, he did the accent himself. He didn't, they didn't hire anybody. Um, of course he and did. He didn't even tell, and it's Antonio Campos, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, I have it up. He, uh, until the first day of his, of his character, uh, of them shooting, he, mm. that's when he heard it for the first time. Really? Yeah. So which means and, he must've been working on it. From pre-production yeah, I mean, while, to yeah, yeah, and I like that he chose to do it high pitched, um, and for the dialect and for the time, and for the place he's from, which is Tennessee, mm-hmm. it's perfect. I mean, it's it's what they sounded like. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, and which and, is rad. and we'll and we'll get there. But his character is. I would say his character is the worst. You think so? I think his yeah, character is the worst. But I think of course, so. I, but you know robert plays such a good villain yeah uh i think i think a lot of people don't think he can but he plays just a fantastic villain you know one of the you know yeah he's pretty awful uh so okay arvin and lenora are grown right like you said uh and they're still living with his grandmother um and his great uncle Um, yeah and 
she only Lenora knows them because the grandmother really liked Helen and wanted Willard to marry Helen, right? Yes. And so they're like family friends, right? Right. Um and what's okay, so I don't know if this is like <laughs> if this is like 1960s bullying or if these guys are just like rapists in training. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, but the bullies at the at the high school um is, is wild. Oh yeah. That they're gonna put a bag over her head just so because one yeah. of them says just so I can get it up. Yeah. Um, um yeah, so we should mention uh Lenora has grown up to be sort of like her mother. She's very religious, she loves reading her Bible, uh, very pious, as where Arvin has kind of grown in an opposite direction. Arvin is very cynical towards religion. It's because it's all what he, what religion did to his dad, right? Yeah. Religion drove his dad crazy, right? Or at least again, not all religion, whatever it, this specific (laughs) ideology that Willard had drove him crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, He, and, and he's just very, Arvin is just just a very angry young man. Yeah. Um, and he, but he's also very protective of Lenora because uh, he does see her as his, not just a, you know, uh, a stepsister, but as a sister, as blood, yeah. as he says, you know, we're kin. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he uh, took Your that lesson. Are- yeah. Oh, sorry, everyone. If you can hear my dog barking. Uh, my wife ordered us pizza. Um, Jeremy knows this because he was literally watching us order it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, but you know, Arvin, um, we see Arvin take on these bullies. It doesn't really work out very well, but he never forgot the lesson his dad taught him is you pick your moment. He takes them all on individually. Uh, he beats the shit out of one bully with a, a wrench after he pulls him out of a bus where he's trying to uh, get it on with one of the schoolgirls, pulls him out of a bus, beats the shit out of him with a wrench. The next guy who's repairing uh, a car, he slams the hood down on him. Um, and the other guy's in the car. So those the other guys are- in the car and it, the other guy's like trying to be like, Hey, Hey man, like, I'm sorry. Uh, but Arvin doesn't take apologies no. as a, like, oh, you're sorry? Okay, we're good now. Now, uh, no. jams that Twinkie in his mouth um, and then puts a bag over his head and then puts a bag over the other guy's head and uh, just, man. Yeah. He, and as we learn now, uh, as we learn later from Uncle Erskel, um, that he he went so hard that a couple, that the probably more than likely those two guys uh, ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, cause a few months later, you know, uncle Erskel says like, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's getting better. I wish you wouldn't have gone so hard. And Arvin pretty much says like, well, they started it. Like yeah. they, they were picking on Lenora and I ended it. Yeah. And, uh, cause he says they haven't picked on her since. And it's, it, it's almost like he kind of took this lesson really to heart. Yeah. Like I'm going to find my moment. And I'm gonna end it. No ifs, ands, or buts. And uh, and Tom, again, as I said last week, Tom steals every scene because uh, 
you know, at this point, if you hadn't seen the one-off, you know, some of the other movies from his career, if you'd only seen the, the Marvel movies, you know, you may not think like, oh, well, this, you may only see him as Spider-Man. I think this movie really cemented like, hey, I'm more than just Spider-Man. I can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, but anyway, so. So we, we haven't are got the Pattinson yet. Yeah. I was just about to say. So now yeah. at this point, but uh, Robert Pattinson is, is replacing his. I think uncle, the the. Because he says it's my sister's son, so I would say that's his uncle, um, the local preacher in Mead. Um, no, not Mead. Uh, Cold Creek. Um, because I guess their preacher isn't feeling too good, so Robert Pattinson comes in to be sort of like in the interim preacher, and he's younger. Um, well, he's younger than the current preacher. Yeah. Um, and he's just a. Uh, just an asshole, dude. He's kind of an asshole. First, well, first we think, okay, he's just an asshole because you know that they all have a, a very southern potluck. They all bring a dish, um, and uh, since Arvin's grandma doesn't have a lot of money, she makes fried chicken livers, um, and he publicly embarrasses her. Of course, I think he only knew she was the one who made him. I don't yeah. think anyone else knew she made him, but he publicly embarrasses her saying how like pretty much that she butchered the dish and mm-hmm. he's going to eat it to save everyone this horrible meal. But as Arvin says, I'm pretty sure he just wanted them all to himself. Yeah. Like he's, that's not a preacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I find that, so interesting that immediately from that first meeting, Armin knew like, okay, this guy, yeah, this guy ain't good news. No, he's not good news. And you know, he eventually, um, the the Reverend, and his name is Reverend Preston, something or other, uh, Tigerton. Yeah, um, very, very southern name. Yeah, as seduces uh, Lenora. Yeah. Um, by yeah. using religion to do so, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, saying how they're they're going to be with the Lord. Um, but yeah, uh, but not just seduces her, Jeremy. He gets her pregnant. Yeah. But he is so I wouldn't say <clears throat> protective, but he he is so he he, he he sees he's done no wrong essentially yeah um and it's just it, and it's very uh ironic that he would give this sermon on delusion mm-hmm. when he himself is being delusional yeah you know about how like how can how can i be the father we were we were with the lord and right. it just of course granted it's just him being more of an asshole yeah he's being awful right yeah and making her feel stupid while, you know, saving himself. The and, word of the day, kids, is gaslighting. <laughs> and um, again, this is another one of my one of those things that I really like in the in the writing where when Lenora is going is putting the rope around her neck, she changes her mind. Mm-hmm. 
um, but uh, slips while trying to get it off and ends up hanging herself anyway. Yeah. And no one um, will ever know that she changed her mind. Uh, and yeah. the, the, the narrator says that, like, no one will know that she was right with the Lord at the end. And, yeah. and I love um, stuff like that. I don't know what it is, but. Well, and, and, and I get it. Cause I, as you're kind of saying, it's like, we, the audience, we are being invited in to something that almost like a secret. No one yeah. else is going to yeah. know. It's, it's, it's just our secret yeah. that we know that Lenora at the last second changed her mind. She wasn't going to kill herself. But panicking and slipping, no one will, no one else will ever know that. So you know when Tom Holland finds her, which is a very brutal and heartbreaking scene because he's trying to save her, but who knows how long she'd already been hanging right. there. You know he's trying to save her, trying to call for help. Um, you know Tom will never know that she didn't intend to. Like mm-hmm. she, she had intent, but at the last second changed her mind but yeah um and then this is this is sort of the well actually it's the build-up to the final straw with tom and uh the preacher um when he gets the news that uh she was pregnant and and i love that the uh the deputy that tells him it's like you know you know you know old bruce I, i don't know no bruce well, he he's a drunk, but he ain't no liar. And and I love that he that, you know, because it's a very southern thing. Like, yeah. yeah, he yeah, he's a drunk, but he's not a liar. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's the final straw for Tom is not only did my as he says it, my Lenora, not only did she kill herself, but she was pregnant and he knows immediately it's that preacher. Yeah. And um kind of and 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 again with something that you love with the writing is the narrator tells us that he's already got this plan in motion because mm-hmm. he says he he wanted desperately to tell them goodbye and where he was going but decided not to in case the law came looking for him right um which tells you know which saying without saying is he's already got a plan and he knows what he's about to do um but before we talk about that, do you think we should catch up on Carl and Sandy? Sure. Let's catch up on Carl <laughs> and Sandy because Carl and Sandy have a connection to another character that once you once he says it, you're like, wait, you know, because you think that because he's the sheriff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, he's, he's on to him or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when he mentions that, their brother and sister you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah you know? uh, so, yeah sebastian sands character lee very southern name also yeah uh lee and sandy are brother and sister and lee um as we see in the flashback is a very corrupt cop yeah. uh who somehow weaseled his way into becoming sheriff he's up for re-election and he can't he can't have anything tarnishing him and the biggest thing on his plate right now is there's a rumor going around that Sandy's a whore. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, technically she, she is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she, she is. It's just, you know, he's missing that second part. Yeah. He's missing the part of uh, why she's a whore. Yeah. And the, the murders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And we also see that Lee is in the pocket of a local crime lord, I guess. Yeah, organized uh, crime syndicate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, with Leroy. Um, and uh, he's... He's he's not only trying to protect his sister, but he's also trying to protect his position because, as the narrator says, if people think uh, the sheriff's sister is a whore, well, then they're going to learn about the cash. They're going to learn about him looking the other way with certain mm-hmm. things, and and he's going to lose being the sheriff. He's yeah. going to lose having this position of power where he essentially makes the rules. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, And so then he decides, uh, Lee decides to take matters in his own hands and uh, he kills Leroy pretty much because Leroy threatened to, I wouldn't say blackmail, but he threatened to pretty much expose everything if if Lee didn't back off. Yeah. And Lee pretty much said um, nuts to that. I I'm obsessed with his right hand man Bobo McDaniel's. Yeah, <laughs> um, he his forearms are so big. Were bigger than my legs, you know. Which I mean, it's <laughs> hard to do. I have very small legs, but he. Uh, I mean, this guy's strike. I've seen him in other things before, uh, like the leftovers and things like that. But uh, every time I see that actor, I was like, Jesus, man. I know. He's uh, gigantic. And I love how. Sebastian Stan kills him, and we know the audience. We know Sebastian Stan's about to do something because he's he's zipping up his coat to a certain point. Yeah. And then he wraps the gun in a towel, and you're like, oh, he's about oh, to do no. something. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's so cool that he essentially made a, a, hand, a homemade silencer yeah. by wrapping the gun in a towel. Um, which I how I don't know how well that would work in I don't real know, life. As we see in the Godfather part two, it could catch on fire. So, yeah. um, shout out to Godfather Part Two. Shout out to um, to Robert De Niro. Yeah. And shout out to the the whole um, the whole flashback sequences um, of Vito Corleone. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, but then you know, <clears throat> so while Lee's dealing with all this, Sandy is she's done doing yeah. she she after so let's. Let's do a little backtracking here because it's so it's 1965. So they probably started, let's just say a year after they met. So 1951. Sure. So 14 years of doing this of, well, no, no, it would, it would be, it would be at least so 15 years because they would have had to start. Yeah. So 15 years of doing the Sandy's done. And she's not only done, but she's also been calling, uh, leaving anonymous tips, essentially, about where to find the bodies. Um, And Ashley brought up a good point. She's like, oh, it's 1965. They can't trace the call. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, But Sandy's Sandy's just done. And, uh, but Carl, you know, most serial murders, they're not just going to, just stop because yeah this is like carl's favorite thing in the world to do yeah um so anyway so let's 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 go back to tom holland now okay and then we can sort of kind of wrap up the plot because at this point because then things will converge then i think um yeah 
So, so Tom finally confronts Preston. Uh, Arvin confronts Preston, and I love how he does it. He he he's acting like he's coming in for a confessional, uh, but then he starts to lay on these little clues, you know. And uh, oh, we we uh, we totally forgot uh, that Arvin's got a gun, and not only just a gun, a gun that his father brought back from World War II. Um, and he, uh, I, I do like how, when he finally pulls the gun on Preston, he, he almost gives Preston a, uh, a chance to sort of explain himself. Like he, mm-hmm. Tom was still 100% going to kill him. Yeah, of course. But it was almost like, you know, I want you to admit it to me that right. you got my sister pregnant and you're the reason she killed herself. But, uh. Preston's sticking to his story that uh, she was delusional, that uh, she that someone else did this to her, and and Tom ain't buying it. No, and um, spoilers, Tom kills him. Yeah, um, pretty uh, pretty also pretty brutally. You know, the first shot he gets off goes through his hand. But then while he's kind of writhing in pain, Tom gets one in the chest and then one in the head and then very smartly picks up the shells. Yeah. Uh, Haley was like, what is he doing? I was picking up the casings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah picking up the casings and then leaves evidence um, of Preston's dealings and why he is now dead. Yeah. Um, so he hightails it out of there. And as the narrator says, he has this sudden urge to essentially go home, go home to knock him stiff and his car breaks down and he gets picked up by Sandy and Carl. And so, you know, I think this is the one time in the movie they were wanting the audience to feel like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Um, But uh, Arvin clocking that Carl had a gun is already preemptively like getting ready, kills Carl and really doesn't want to kill Sandy, but, no, and you know, Sandy's just scared, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is, you know, this is a really cool narrative trick. I mean, it's not a trick. I mean, but the narrative device that they're using when, when essentially she misses, mm-hmm. right? She didn't. She had him point blank, and you're like, "How did she miss? She didn't miss. It was full of blanks." Carl, you know? being a paranoid uh, serial killer, replaced her bullets with blanks. Yeah. Uh, so had he not done that, she would have gotten Arvin. Yeah. Um, but I love that. I love the line. She never stood a chance. Yeah. Um. So Arvin collects enough. He, he he grabs some money, grabs the undeveloped uh, real cans, and makes it to knock him stiff. Um, and then, then it, just like you're saying, this is when everything's converging. So then Lee gets the call that they found his sister. Um, and he's sad for a moment, and then it's like, oh, my God. Once word gets out that my sister's dead, they're going to come to her place. Finds all the evidence of all the murders, 
yeah burns it all and then gets word from coal creek that arvin was the one who killed the preacher and that he might be headed that way um and i <laughs> and i love the dispatcher or the sheriff who's talking to him he's like yeah he killed the preacher but you know it, it seems like he might have had it coming yeah <laughs> almost like they're saying like hey you know like because i love he's like you know he's not dangerous um yeah. from what i understand that preacher had it coming you know uh, yeah um and uh and then we get one of my favorite parts of the movie is because the plot finally comes full circle arvin lives up to his eight-year promise and buries his dog jack yeah um because he makes that promise after his mom's funeral that he's going to take jack down and he's going to give him a proper burial yep so he fulfills the promise and buries of course all he is is bones now but he buries jack yeah and then this is where he has sort of a standoff with lee yeah um and you know explains to lee that he didn't want to do it they gave him no choice he didn't want to kill his sister and kill uh carl and you know arvin in the span of 24 hours kills four people yeah um but really he he makes it out unscathed because sebastian stan also had him point blank with a shotgun uh but still makes it out um and he buries his dad's gun and gets picked up by hitch uh he's hitchhiking gets picked up and finally sleeps i i like the you know this is probably my favorite moment in the film is the is the narration over him getting picked up in that vw right mm-hmm. you know saying that he's not sure what's past and what's future he's not sure you know all these moments are whirling around in his head as he's trying not to fall asleep and you know thinking back on what he's done and looking forward to what he will do and what he can do and what he should do mm-hmm. uh, remembering his father remembering uh, his grandmother and uh, all that uh, it's great writing uh, oh yeah yeah and uh and i just love like but he's just now to get he's just now happy to get some rest and then it's it's a great movie man like i i, I get why credit right critics think it's too dark because it is you know like the rotten tomatoes review says like it's a descent into darkness yeah. and i agree and yeah, it is unrelenting because all these terrible things just keep happening and keep happening and keep happening. Yeah. But, you know, as we said at the beginning of this episode, it, it's almost like all these terrible things are centered around Arvin, mm-hmm. you know, and it's almost like, yeah, even though he does some terrible things himself, he he's doing them because there is no other choice because mm-hmm. these people are worse. Yeah. Sort of sort of thing, you know? Yeah. He's trying to take control of his life back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since, you know, with the whole religion thing as well, you know, like religion has played such a negative part in his life, you know, starting with his dad and then mm-hmm. with this preacher, you know, uh, and even, you know, with 
with Carl and Sandy, there was that line of dialogue that the narrator has where, you know, Carl's not a religious man, but he kind of is because this is sort of his religious experience. Mm-hmm. The, this, the, the kidnapping and murdering of these people. I mean, mm-hmm. kidnapping is in quotes, but you get what I'm saying. Um, no, yeah. You know, this is, this is his way of expressing his religious ideologies. Um, and so it's, Arvin is just trying to find peace. And, and, and something I love and that, and that's why I love the final confrontation between him and Lee is right before it happens. He, he does finally make peace and forgive his father. And, you know, that's something Lenora asked him. She said, you know, if he were alive, do you think you could forgive him? And Arvin doesn't really answer the question, but you know, he's probably thinking like, no, I, I would never forgive him. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the, the line from the narrator is now standing in his father's church. Yeah. He, he, he does find this like idea of like, yeah, you know, I'm sad that my father sacrificed my dog, but he loved my mom and he was going to do anything he can mm-hmm. to save her. And, right. and, and it's just, it's a really nice moment of peace then followed up by an act of violence right (laughs) but it you know and and i think that's another central theme of this movie is is finding peace um in your life some way and 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 in some form you know yeah uh yeah man uh i'm I'm glad (laughs) i'm glad you were cool with this one uh because i know you probably really wanted to talk about cherry yeah, well, what's funny is, you know, it's, I would have been more focused. I mean, we'll still probably do Cherry. Oh, 100%. Future, but I, I'm going to be more preoccupied in defending Cherry more than I am, you know, because the, the reviews are pretty bad for Cherry. And Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. People I, really I didn't like I. it. Uh, people really didn't like it. And there, I, there are moments where I'm like, I get it. But also, it's just like, it's just, it's a cool way to tell this story right mm-hmm. with cherry um anyway we'll, we'll whatever that's a, like yeah. a year from now don't worry about uh, that yeah so uh so jeremy are you ready to wrap up wrap up wrap up yes yes i am um it was really cool to get to do this one i it was it was a fun excuse to watch it again yeah um love the performances love the cast uh love the narr- i mean the narration is so spot on man i love it and the the fact that you know, I'm one of the people, one of these, I don't know if there are many of us, probably dozens uh-huh. uh, of us that if the, if, if the author says it's good, there's no more complaining. Right. Right. Because, or at least don't, then you don't like the book either. Right. So these people who didn't like this movie wouldn't like the book. I don't think either because the book is super dark as far as I've gotten in it. Uh, Zach, um, uh, my very good buddy of mine, um, mm. whom we've talked about on the show before, uh, his, he read the book and he said, dude, it makes the movie look like a Disney channel movie. Like he says, <laughs> he's like, dude, the book is brutal <laughs> i was like i gotta listen to it bro yeah i told i told ashley i was telling ashley after we finished the movie i was like i, I think i want to read the book now because um i do like that the book is you know kind of talking you know 
you know, as we've mentioned, I love things in, in chapters. I love that the book is split into seven parts. Yeah. Um, which I think is so cool. Uh, such a rad way to, to tell a story. And, you know, it, and again, it might just have something to do with, it might be the same, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's going to be anything added to it, but even if it's just the same and he's just describing things to you, right? Like, you know, like uh, maybe instead of insinuating, luring a hitchhiker into your car and then, you know, having them have sex with Sandy and then killing them. If mm. you describe every little detail of it, it's going to be way worse. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Right? And especially in that montage, this could be a good, oops, I forgot in one of the montage sequences of the, the murders, right? Mm-hmm. There's one where they cut his penis off. I don't know if you saw that yeah, or it, it's, mutilated it. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the part where the narrator calls Carl sick fuck. Yeah. Um because it's it's that um that army guy they picked up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very brief, very quick. Yeah. Uh, but it's because Carl, you know, is pinning his arms down because Carl's sort of sitting on his neck yeah. to take a photo of him. Yeah, but it's very quick and yeah, they did something did, did something, something to him. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean oh, oh god. You know, I mean, and just imagining listening to someone describe them either doing it or the aftermath of it yeah you know but i'm gonna get there eventually so (laughs) yeah yeah man um i don't think i have any oops i forgots but uh it's just it's hard to believe now that we are now at the uh the end of season series yeah Uh, i was telling mom that some mom like yeah you know um i was like we're gonna be doing the devil all the time and then we're going to be on the end of season series. And she was like, it's the end of the season already. And I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, our arbitrary rules say that it's the end of the season. And yeah. so, you know, and I think, I feel like the, the reason why this season um, has taken so long, because I, I feel like we've taken a little bit more breaks in this yeah. season than we have in past breaks. I, but, I but I mean, we, we make the rules. So we make the cares? rules. Yeah, this is our this is our <laughs> show. I don't, I don't care, you know. Uh, so, Jeremy, what do what are we gonna talk about next week? Of course, I already know. But yeah, know, uh, what do what do we gonna talk about next week for uh, part one of our end of season series? So, um, I, I was thinking about it, and I was trying to, you know, I was trying to get it to fit the theme, my uh-huh. theme of strange uh, films. Strange right? films, yeah. I couldn't do it because I, you know, I was like, we could do. You know, we could do a bunch of like uh, Kaufman stuff. I'm like, no, I like to do those one at a time. So we're not going to do Kaufman. I don't want to do a bunch of Boonwell stuff, even though I do have the Criterion uh, set that they recently did for Louise Boonwell. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, that won't work. I, I don't want to do that one. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to fit it with the theme. It's just going to be its own thing. A trilogy that I love very, very much. That yeah, um, that you have told me about uh, for forever to get, yeah. and I and I finally got it. Yeah. So uh, we're doing Richard Linklater's The Before Trilogy. Uh, nice. So before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight. Um, yeah. I um, would you say that these movies were indirectly a precursor to uh, Boyhood? Maybe. Um, well I, well, I say he was doing them at the same time. Oh, yeah. Um, it, uh, apart from um, 
Sunrise because Sunrise was first, and then the yeah. other two he was doing them at the same time. So well, I don't know, maybe. Um, it well, is now he's sort of that, on that that new twenty year movie. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know it's it, it's got the same sort of flow, the same sort of style where it's it seems just so natural and down to earth and you know nothing flashy we're just talking mm-hmm. right um so yeah probably he probably was like you know i could probably do this but tell a more long form story yeah you know because and if we haven't talked talked about it enough because we haven't done a this will be our first link later um episode oh well, that's a shame i can't serious. believe we waited this long i yeah because uh, you know um link later because I, I was really curious. And so I was looking up some information about this trilogy. Um, collectively, I think they only had a budget, like of all three movies, only had a budget of $8 million. Yeah. And they collectively grossed over $48 million. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And I was telling Ashley, I was like, you know, that proves that Linklater doesn't need a big budget to make a good movie. No, he never has. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, it, it is. It is. It is a little sad that this will be our first link later episode, but I know. But now that means uh, this gets to open up the floodgates to, you know, Dazed and Confused and yeah. Slacker and and Boyhood, yeah, because um, that's on my Criterion wish list as well. And Bad News Bears. And, oh my uh, god, I didn't realize he did that, and so I was like, I was just kind of curious. So I was like looking through his credits, and I was like, oh my god, he did. He did better. Or a skater darkly would actually be a good one. Oh yeah. yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Because I've tried to watch that movie like three times and I just can't get into it. But I, I will I would be willing to do it again. Yeah. But uh but, but I'm, excited, I'm excited, man. excited. Um the one of the stories about the which I'm not gonna get into, but it plays into some of the themes in this film um that we just did. Uh it's it's really sad. Uh, one of the uh one of the little tidbits I found um is pretty sad about the inspiration for this uh for this movie oh um, yeah and i love that he did three more they're each nine years apart um yeah, i don't yeah. want him i don't want him to do another one and he's already missed the deadline so i don't think he's going to do another one because that would have been 2021 when he needed to do another one yeah i i don't think he will mainly because i think he's too i think he really is focused on that a 20-year movie um which is just so yeah. wild. Um, if he does it like he did Boyhood, I, he I've can heard do other things while he does that. You know, I, I've heard that. Yeah, that's that they that they're going to meet like ever so often, film, and then then they'll fuck off and meet each other again for another X amount of time. Yep, and a fellow Texan. Um, yeah, at the time you can only bind someone to a seven year contract, and so he'll have to do it a couple of times. Yeah. I don't know but, if that's still the rule, but maybe uh, in Texas know. anyway. But uh, anyway, so you said next week, are we going to be virtually again next week? Because I know you're going to be out of town. We will not be virtually next week, but unfortunately it will not be actually next week because uh, I will be out of town yeah. um, for the recording of it. So we won't record until the week after that. So everyone, um, we say next week, but for you, it'll be two weeks. So yeah. Well, for us, it'll be two weeks. Uh, yeah, for us, it'll be two weeks too. But we won't be virtual again. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited for yeah, before sunrise. Me too. Um, 
So we hope everyone enjoyed uh, The Devil All the Time. And we'll see you next week for part one of the Before Trilogy, Before Sunrise. On the wings of a snow.